to this broadcast of Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. The date is March 19th, 2020. So we're, what, more than halfway through the month of March. And tonight we will be focusing again on the coronavirus. I imagine that I will be doing these coronavirus updates Uh, from time to time until the pandemic has passed us, which I hope is is fairly soon. Um, I am seeing some encouraging signs out of China, out of Cuba, um, but what does the future hold in store for the United States with this for-profit healthcare industry and this for-profit pharmaceutical industry? Um, So tonight we'll be talking about Africa and coronavirus. And the second topic will be the Democratic primary exit polls and Medicare for all. Um, You know, as an African-American, I do know that a lot of people who listen to the Black Talk Radio Network take an interest in Africa, the motherland. And so I thought that I should update you on this. Plus, I have been reading some articles published on some African news websites and some of the same sentiments are being echoed on those websites as were echoed last night if you caught our March 18th broadcast where I played the conversation with Angel who is our resident epidemiologist who hosts the program V2V here on the Black Talk Radio Network and she says that the virus here in the United States has an abnormal pattern of infections. Now I'm reading the same thing coming out of Africa. And so I thought it would be worth, you know, discussing that for however long it, it takes me to discuss that. Now also I'm take I'm telling you um for I don't know how long. Well I've been voting for a very long time. I've been voting since 1990 I believe is when I when I first cast a ballot in a presidential election. And I was in the military at the time, so it was an absentee ballot. Um, but I'm telling you, I may not even vote in November. I'm a long time, long time voter. Um, I do not label myself as a Republican or a Democrat, as a liberal or a, a conservative. I just don't fall into those labels or I don't pigeonhole myself. My views vary from issue to issue. I may agree with conservatives on a particular issue. I may agree with so-called liberals on a particular issue. But if I had to wear a label, I would wear the label of progressive. I would wear the, I would push for, and I have 
advocate for the same policies that Dr. King was advocating for here in the United States and, and not just for black people, although he did issue a call for reparations, which I do support the reparations movement. That's why I reached out um, to Encobra and offered them a radio program and podcast on the Black Talk Radio Network. So I do support that. Um, but Dr. King was calling for policies, which is, in my opinion, a codified way of calling for policies that's going to help uh, black people is to call for policies that's going to help all people, all poor people, all working class people. Uh, the Black Panther Party certainly took that view as well. And later on, um, in the late stages of his life, Malcolm X um, took that view as well. But when you look at it from what's known as a counter-racist codification uh, type strategy, then of course you would label these programs for all. Because first of all, here in the United States, you can't pass, unless you're talking reparations, like you've had reparations for Jews and reparations for Japan, Japanese Americans. Um, You've also had a form of reparations, and I just say a form of reparations um, for First Nation people. Um, I'm going to stop using the term Native American um, because the proper terminology is First Nation people. They were the first people to create nations on this continent. And so while you did have race-specific or or ethnic-specific reparations, um, which you can classify reparations for African Americans as the same, but when it comes to calling for any other type of policy, um, by the Constitution, you cannot make it race-specific. You cannot discriminate against anybody. I can't set up a Medicare for black people. I can't set up a Medicare for... Uh, First Nation people. I can't set up a Medicare for you just pick a group. You just simply can't do that. And and then if you really want something to pass, then you want to get as much support as possible, even though it may help your particular group more so than others. And I think a lot of people really don't understand understand that. But get I digress, getting back to what I was saying. I may not I may not ever vote again um, for president. Let me back up. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that because then when I do uh, vote for a Green Party member or um, some other third party or write somebody's name in, um, you might say, well, you said you weren't going to vote no more. So let me not hold hold myself to that. Um, I may not vote for a Republican or Democrat again for POTUS. Um I may just gravitate towards the Green Party, which has a very progressive uh, platform. Um, And I think also, like the old saying goes, that all politics is local. So I will be focused more on my local county elections. I don't live in a city, so I don't have a city council or anything like that. But I do have a county uh, board. And so I'll be looking at that. And I'll be looking at state elections here in the state of North Carolina. But I I just call me foolish or whatever. Um, But I'm just all burnt out on the election corruption that we see 
here in the United States based on the evidence because I'm an evidence-based person, all right? Um, I just don't listen to people who have these theories but have no evidence to support those theories or it's just anecdotal evidence. No, I'm not one to to think like that. I, ha- I have to see some evidence and I have seen evidence that the Democratic primaries have been rigged time after time after time. Okay, so exit poll after exit poll during this Democratic primary have shown that double-digit majorities of voters want Medicare for all. Okay, that's the signature policy of Senator Bernie Sanders. And in polls prior to the primaries, Senator Sanders polled as the most popular senator in the United States. Now, among the candidates that were running for the Democratic nomination, Sanders was viewed as the most trusted on the issues. And the issue of health care, again, Medicare for all, was the number one issue on the minds of voters. So, knowing that, and seeing poll after poll after poll for for going over a year now, um, why all of a sudden is Joe Biden, the conservative Democrat, some would say he he's just really just a Republican in the wrong party, um, but I I'm, I'm not going to say that because you have plenty of conservatives in the Democratic Party. They tried to run up a, a um, neoliberal conservative uh, on social issues the last time in 2016. Okay, so but how all of a sudden do these polls say? Well, Medicare for all, I want that majority of the people. But then when you get to South Carolina, all of a sudden, people start voting for Joe Biden. And then even in those exit polls, their number one issue that were on their mind, according to some of the exit polls, was Medicare for all. Something does not compute. Something is, the the logic is not making any sense. Okay? That just makes no sense. And I would have to believe that if these polls are in fact true, if the vote totals are in fact true and accurate, then we have some of the most dumb voters in the, on the face of the planet. You will have to say that. Based on previous polls, I want Medicare for all. I trust Senator Sanders more than any senator in the United States. I view him as the most trusted on the issues of climate change, of of health care, of, you know, um, where the Green New Deal addresses climate change and what have you. And another issue, which is the main reason I was supporting him, is the Prisoner Bill of Rights that ends prison slavery, which did not get much media attention. And I have to also fought for Bernie Sanders' campaign for not highlighting that enough. Okay, but the mainstream media never talked about that. So I I just, I just, I can't believe that the U.S. voters are that dumb that they will vote against their own interests like that. Like, you know, typically has been said about Republicans. So I think voter suppression has played a role in this primary with the state branches of the Democratic Party closing polling sites. We saw those long, long lines in, in uh, excuse me, in Texas. Um, 
I didn't hear about a lot of long lines in California, but I did hear about a lot of problems in California's largest county, which is Los Angeles County. But I did hear about even in the Midwest um, that they they were talking about voters braving the cold to stand in these long, long lines. And and then like days before these uh, state primaries were to take place, the Democratic Party, the state party chapters would say we're closing these polls. Mainstream media didn't think nothing of it. Now, I bet you, I bet you if it was a general election and it was in Republican states, you know that you, we've heard it in the past before, right? Isn't that why we heard Stacey Abrams lost the governor's election in Georgia because of massive voter suppression, kicking people off the rolls? But here's the thing. Going back, documented, going back to 2016, in the Democratic primary, the Democratic Party has been doing the same thing. And you know who their number one target always is, non-white people, black people, and Latinos. In 2016, um, over 200,000 voters were purged from the rolls in New York City. I forget, I think it was the Bronx. I forget the specific uh, um, borough. I think that's what they call them in New York City, boroughs. But it was majority non-white. And they even admitted that they cheated because the evidence was there. They even admitted that they purged those roles illegally. Did anybody go to jail? No. Did anybody in Congress in the Democratic Party, black or non-white, make a big stink about it? No, you didn't hear nothing about it. It was only published on local platforms to New York City. Okay, you didn't hear about it on CNN. You didn't hear about it on MSNBC. You know why? Because the media is in on the voter suppression. It is in on the rigging. I mean, you think about it. They had every incentive to stop Bernie Sanders because he has a plan to break up the media monopoly. Something that, you know, I learned about a while back which in part led me to create the Black Talk Radio Network because of the consolidation of media to where only six companies control 90% of all media formats in the United States, okay? And Malcolm told us the power of media. And if if I ever had any doubts about the power of the media, those doubts have, have been erased, although I did not have no doubts. So I just, I'm just very, what's to say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm just, I'm just use the word angry. Not surprised, but I'm angry. I'm angry at a whole lot of folks who I'm not angry with is voters. At first I was taking the view that these doggone black boomers, these black boomers, why y'all going to roll with Biden like that? Okay. But then as I started thinking about it more and gathering more information, I was like, okay, this is a lot. This is a, a lot of uh, discrepancies and a lot of stuff that don't look right. 
You know, all of a sudden, people just going to line up behind Biden. Now, that don't make no sense to me. It don't make no sense. Okay. And I'm sure that a lot of people probably did vote for Biden because of the misinformation that they got. Or maybe they got Trump derangement syndrome or whatever they call that, where they just obsessed with nothing but getting Trump out. Issues don't even matter to them. Any any blue person will do. When I say blue, you know, the Democratic Party is associated with the color blue. But I, I'm done, man. I'm done with the Democratic Party. If I vote for any Democrat, it'll be on the local or statewide level. Okay. And, and and then I got to be impressed with, with their platform, all right? But I just have no faith whatsoever in national elections. None. Zero. Zero. I was already probably, you know, at about 75%. Well, they did it in 2016. Maybe they don't think that they can get away with it again and, and, and people are watching and, and they won't try it again. But, oh, I was just being naive. I was just being naive. All right. So that's that's what I'll be talking about tonight. If you have a question or a comment, you can give us a call at 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. You hit the star key twice if you would like to be heard. Otherwise, we'll assume that you're just listening on the phone line. All right, now, before I get started, now, I, I posted this to social media, but for the second year in a row, um, Feedspot, Feedspot, which is a, India, a, a media marketing company that's based in India. What this media marketing company does is it tries to match advertisers up with media producers in different formats. And for the second year in a row, Feedspot has did its analysis and they put out a top 25 list of black podcasts. And they do it for other categories too, but um, that is a real thing. You know, um, minority media is a thing. Okay, and so black radio is a thing. That's part of the reason why I, I use the name Black Talk Radio, because um, this is black radio, but it is not entertainment radio. This, this is information-based radio, talk radio, if you will. But for the second year in a row, and I just happened to find out by accident today, um, because I was going to feed spot for something else, and I was like, well, I wonder if they come out with their top 25 ranking for black podcasts again, if they come out with it. And just last week, sure enough, they had come out with it. It might not have been last week. might have been just four days ago. I can't recall. We have linked to um, that top 25 list on blacktalkradionetwork.com right under the little promo video that we made, that I made, I should say. Um, but... Um, for the second year in a row, we have taken the top spot. Now, here's the thing, though. They're, they're in the business of matching advertisers, and I imagine for a small fee, a finder's fee or whatnot, but matching advertisers with different formats of media that those advertisers might be interested in reaching those audiences. Um, haven't gotten any any, any corporate sponsors whatsoever, but that's okay, that's okay, but 
I never expected to because of the type of media that you find here on Black Talk Radio Network. It is not what you're going to find on the mainstream radio. It's not what you're going to find on mainstream television, although we don't do television or video, although, you know, I can post videos and what have you, but, you know, audio is, is the format that I had expertise in and um, decided to go down that road, okay? Um, but also, I have ethics. I have ethics. Oh, I take that back. Um, one mainstream, one uh, corporation did contact us to build a relationship with us to get at the audience we have cultivated since 2008, and that was Wells Fargo. Yeah, that Wells Fargo, which uh, has finally divested itself of investments in private prisons, but I still have a lot of issues with them. You know, they've been in, in trouble a lot. Um, they haven't been shut down, but they had to pay a whole bunch of fines in, in the billions for fraud concerning setting up credit cards in people's names that did not set it up. Um, also for discrimination and, and mortgages and what have you. And I'm just not, I'm not, I'm a person of, I have ethics. No, everybody may not know what that word means, but I have them. Okay. Meaning that I don't want, I'm not going to take your money to promote something that I don't agree with. As I mentioned in the past, um, not that long ago, Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York City, who was running for in the Democratic primary for POTUS, even though I don't think he was really running for POTUS. I think he was just running to stop Sanders in the particular policies that he was advocating for, especially going up on wealthy people's taxes like him. So I, I think that was a voter suppression type operation as well. Um, his campaign contacted me. Okay, I, I spoke to a black woman representing um, Michael Bloomberg and asked me how much does it cost to run campaign advertisement on Black Talk Radio Network? And I told her straight up. I paused for a minute. I'm going to be honest with y'all because I always try to be honest with you. I thought about it for a second. I started to ask her, well, how much? How much y'all talking about? Or throwing out some outrageous number to see if they went for it. Um, because I heard he was paying people thousands of dollars, right? But I thought about it for a high second. And I said, you know what? I support the policies of Bernie Sanders. Um, you know, I had to stand on my principles. So, no, I'm not interested in taking uh, any money from Bloomberg to promote his campaign because I don't support his campaign and um, the things that he has done to black people. And what kind of person would I be? What would our audience think of me? If they all of a sudden came to Black Talk Radio and be like, wait a minute, Scotty, you were just talking about stopping frisk a couple of years ago when that policy was in effect. Now, all of a sudden, you you promoting the person uh, running for president that was behind that party, that uh, policy in New York City. Okay? So, uh, no. But I understand, though, everybody doesn't have my ethics. I'll let Black Talk Radio Network die and go to the electronic waste bin before I compromise my ethics. Cause I do, you know, I am a person of, of faith. I do uh, believe that 
when I die, I will be held accountable for the things that I've done. And I'm not a perfect person, but I strive to just, you know, be an ethical person. To treat people the way I would want to be treated. To do things the way that they should be done in an ethical, principled manner. And, I, you know, I had a couple of people say, oh, you know, you should have took the money and all this and that. But, okay, I'm not. You know, the love of money is the root of all evil. And uh, I'm not about to perpetrate evil on people who trust me to bring them, you know, information. So, with that said, Black Talk Radio is once again in danger of shutting down operations. Donations have fallen below the monthly threshold of what is needed to keep all our media projects going. It's not just Black Talk Radio Network, but there's btrcommunity.com as well. There's the radio streams. There's the web platform where where we help other people with their platforms. It's me uh, taking my time out to teach people and school people on the technology. It's a whole lot going on. Um, so I'm going to say again, if you are one of the tens of thousands who every month are consuming media distributed through the network, um, whether it's through blacktalkradionetwork.com or through blog talk radio where we upload podcasts or through TuneIn or Stitcher or iTunes, I'm talking to you as well. If you are one of the tens of thousands who are consuming this media on a monthly basis, please consider making a tax-deductible monthly financial contribution. Then that way, I won't be stressing out, and, and I got enough gray hairs already. You know, I still got a little black in there. Uh, y'all trying to turn me totally gray or have to be, you know, using some of my disability to cover the shortfalls. So at a minimum, we need, since a couple of people have signed up for those $10 a month subscriptions, um, we got others, but not enough. But we now need 98 people to step up and donate $10 a month. And, and that will, at a minimum, help us maintain our operations. I've completely... I shouldn't say that, but I have to be real. I completely given up on trying to establish um, localized media centers, streaming radio for whatever local areas, because these foundations that have this money, that give out money to different organizations to do media operations, they're not going to give it to us. George Soros is not going to fund us, again, because we don't, march to the beat of their drums. We are independent-minded. We're not going to carry the water of conservatives. We're not going to carry the water of liberals. We're definitely um, going to allow uh, black people who are responsible um, a place to broadcast their media, a, a safe space for that. Okay? So, again, we need a minimum right now of 98 people to make a monthly commitment of $10 a month. And then, you know, we wouldn't even have to worry about it no more. Everything could be taken care of. And I do appreciate those who have made one-time um, donations. And then a person who just set up a $10 a month subscription and got a $24 a year subscription to BTR Community called me today 
you know, to ask me some questions about the coronavirus, and they had listened to last night's program. Uh, shout out, shout out to Terrence. And then he's asking me, well, how can I give more? And I'm like, hold up, bro. Didn't you just sign up for a $10 a month subscription? Didn't you also take out a $24 a year subscription? Brother, you doing enough. These 10,000 people a month, or actually it's more than that. Average, We average about anywhere from 20,000 to 30,000 a month. Just visiting the platform. Let some of them give. So I, I told him, but, you know, I can't stop him from giving, but it shouldn't all be on individuals. It, it shouldn't. You know, shout out to Dave who was on with us last night. He made a $50 donation today, and he's, he's given $100 or more earlier this year. It shouldn't be on a few when so many are utilizing the platform. So I, I've, I've preached enough. i preached enough about that, okay? Um, but please take it serious. Don't let us disappear. Um, I will continue to produce podcasts. It'll just be on Blog Talk Radio, which they value the content that we're producing enough that when I had to cut costs last year and stop paying them $30 a month, they gave us a legacy account because I was one of the first broadcasters on their network. And the content that I post there is very popular. So they was rather than have me leave the platform or stop posting content to the platform, they were like, look, you just have a free account, okay? You qualify for a legacy account, you know, because we've had over 2 million downloads on that platform. So obviously it's of value to them. So if it's of value to you, you know what to do. All right, so let me get into what's in the news. There's a couple of news items that I'm going to share with you briefly. Um, Let me see. In the news, White House confirms a U.S. coronavirus test positive rate is now in the 10% to 11% range. So what what are they saying? So what they're saying is for every 1,000 people, that they test, and I have no idea of how many people they tested because that information was not shared. But for every 1,000 people that they test, 100 are coming up positive. Okay, that's 10%. Or, or, or I guess you could say 110 people are coming up positive. That's 11%. So, um... Dr. Deborah Burks, who is part of the White House coronavirus team, uh, warned during a Thursday press conference that 90% of the illness is still out there, but commended healthcare workers and manufacturers for ramping up testing throughout the country. The number of test positives is increasing. That is a dramatically important signature that everybody is doing their job, said Burks. Our test positive rates are now in the 10% to 11% range. That still means that 90% of the illness is out there. So I don't know. I don't know if I understand what she's trying to say about 90% of the illness is still out there because you don't know how many people may be carriers of this virus. You, You just simply don't know. So how, what do you mean by 
90% of the illness is out there. You know, that don't make sense to me. If 100 people tested positive out of 1,000, then that means 90% didn't have it. So I don't know what this woman talking about, what this Dr. Deborah Burtz is talking about when she say 90% of the illness is out there. All right, so check out that article. Um, Biden is silent on a plan that can make coronavirus vaccine affordable. Unlike many of the leading Democrats who ran in the presidential primary, former Vice President Joe Biden has not embraced the use of march-in rights against pharmaceutical companies. Now, what that means is the federal government can dictate during a pandemic, during the national emergencies, the the um, they can put a ceiling on how much pharmaceutical companies can can. Uh, charge people for these drugs especially if where I think it's tied to any drugs that they come up with that's based on taxpayer funded research which is a lot of different drugs okay a lot of different drugs and, and I understand that the US government is investing money in research and working with these private companies okay so but Joe Biden is not down with that. He's not down with limiting the price gouging by pharmaceutical companies. He's not down with that. Well, you shouldn't be surprised considering that pharmaceutical companies are some of the biggest contributors to his campaign, right? That's why James Clyburn came out and endorsed him. James Clyburn, South Carolina, has more donations to his campaign, his election campaign in the past 10 years than any member of Congress. These people aren't representing you. They're representing though they're going to the highest bidder. They're representing the interests of the oligarchy. Okay? Now, the Hill, they're talking about the paper, the Hill, surveyed Democratic presidential candidates on their willingness to use marching rights and found that Senator Bernie Sanders uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren and Senator Kamala Harris and South Bend, Indiana Mayor Buttigieg either included the ideal in their pharmaceutical policy platform or told the reporters that they were supportive of it. Now, the rest of that article it talks about on Biden's campaign platform is it don't talk about it at all. He doesn't really have a pharmaceutical policy. Shouldn't be surprising, right? If he's getting most a lot of money from them, okay. Um, now, next article: A Cuban drug could save thousands of lives in coronavirus pandemic. So far, it is known that one of the drugs manufactured by Cuba, interferon alpha dash two B, has managed to effectively cure more than one thousand and five hundred patients from the coronavirus and is one of 30 drugs chosen by the Chinese National Health Commission to combat respiratory disease. It was first developed in 1986 by a team of researchers from the Center for Genetic Engineering and Biotechnology and introduced into the Cuban health system. Now, this is the first article that I have seen about Cuba and China uh, which China reported today that they have no new cases being reported or being recorded in the affected 
areas, so that's good news. They're winning. Um, but Cuba had been assisting them, and Cuba's now assisting Italy. But outside of the Venezuela Teleserve, I think that's how you pronounce it, their state, you know, uh, a news site, and a Cuban um, news site, outside of those two, I had not seen any Western-based, U.S.-based, U.K.-based, fr French-based. I have just say, you know, uh, anybody tar targeting English-speaking people um, in Europe or the United States or Australia. None of them have been reporting on this. And I've been seeing article after article. I ain't going to say it's been a whole lot of article, but it's been a number of weeks I've seen these articles. Why, why isn't CNN reporting on this? Why isn't CBS, ABC, MSNBC, you know, any of the alphabet networks, why, why aren't they reporting that China is winning on this? Now, I did see a report briefly on CNN where they were saying, you know, that things are getting back to normal in China, but they're not talking about the drugs that they've used. Now, again, what was I just talking about? Pharmaceutical companies gouging, you know, uh, um, the consumers, us, gouging us here in the United States. Bernie Sanders talked about it. You're paying 10 times the amount that Canadians pay for insulin and a lot of these other drugs in, in, in these other countries pay far less than U.S. citizens pay for the same drugs from the same countries. And that's because of these lobbyists, these, these you know, we'll say big farmer in this case, have successfully gotten legislation passed through Congress and signed by whatever president to prevent, to allow them to price gouge us to prevent the U.S. government from putting limitations on how much they can mark up their drugs, okay? So Cubans, Cuba is at the forefront of this in coming up with cures. And it seems to me that the U.S. media doesn't care to report on this because it wasn't that too long ago when they, and since I've been paying attention to the news, they always hating on Cuba, aren't they? They always hating on Cuba. Because how dare these people rise up against a U.S.-backed military dictator who was brutalizing us. And how dare they, you know, we rise up against him and take control of our own destiny and implement the type of government we want to implement and we want socialism. How dare they do that? Okay? So so Cuba, Cuba has, has frequently been... Uh, demonized in the U.S. media. They don't want to give these people any credit. I mean, they even got a vaccine for lung cancer. All the people in the United States that die from lung, lung cancer can't get that drug because of the sanctions that's been ongoing since 1959. It's just ridiculous, man. It's just ridiculous. So the U.S. government don't care about you. These corporations don't care about your life. They don't. They just simply don't. What they care about is keeping the system as is with very little concessions um, as possible, regardless of what a majority of the U.S. public wants. Um, last article before I get into our main topics and take a, a station identification break. Um, Iran is back in China 
calls to investigate U.S. creation and spread of coronavirus. Now, again, let me say this, and I said it last night, and I've, I've said it to some people who've given me some call calls. I don't have any evidence either way. I don't have an opinion either way. If any country, including the United States, created this coronavirus strain in a lab to use it as biological warfare, I have no evidence. Nobody sent me any. I, I just, I, I have to, I have to be honest with my audience. I'm not going to feed into your, to some people's uh, need to believe in conspiracy theories to explain the unexplainable, to answer, you know, those who don't have answers. I'm not, I'm not that guy. I, I need evidence and I have no evidence. But I will tell you what is being reported. And I will also tell you to look at history. Look at history. Look at the history of biological warfare. The United States against First Nations people. The United States against other people that they were colonizing and what have you. Okay? I have talked about rebuilding America's defenses, that white paper that was put out by a group called the Project for a New American Century. Many other signatories or members of that group were in the Bush administration. Some of them are like Paul Wolfowitz is even on CNN right now. Okay, so they have signed a paper talking about developing biological weapons that can target people based on their phenotype, or in other words, their race, or other t other biological factors like eye color, hair color, and what have you. They called for that in that paper. In 1990, was it 1998 they came out with that, or was it 2000? I'm kind of confused, because in 1998, I do know they also signed a letter and sent it to Clinton, you know, about invading Iraq. They've been trying to get in Iraq or wanting to get in Iraq, in which they're there now for a very, very, very long time. Okay? So, with that said, this is what's being reported. And this is coming to you from, uh, let me see, Newsweek is actually reporting this. Iran has backed China's call to investigate yet unfounded claims of the United States being the origin of the new coronavirus as an international blame game worsened over a pandemic that has infected more than 200,000 people across the globe. Iranian Supreme National Security Council Secretary Ali Shakani lashed out on Twitter Wednesday against what he called the typical way in which U.S. officials have emphasized China in blaming China and it, its central Hubei province city of Wuhan is the likely place where the COVID-19 disease began and have blamed both Beijing and Tehran's governments for failing to stop its spread. Uh, Shamkami argued this was being done by U.S. officials in order to evade responsibility themselves. Now, I shared last night and the article is posted in btrcommunity.com our social media platform um, from globalresearch.ca where it was talking, reporting that there was uh, about 300 uh, members of the U.S. military were participating in a multinational military exercise in, that, in, um, in proximity 
to Wuhan. And I I suspect that's the basis of China's, well, I, that's what they're saying, the basis of their allegations toward the United States is, okay? Saying that's how they brought it in, in there. Now, again, I don't know. I can't call it either way. You know, I don't have any evidence whatsoever. I do know that I don't trust. I'm, I'm a very, I'm not a very trusting person. Okay. I'm not a very trusting person when it comes to people I don't even know. Okay. And um, I'm very, uh, of, I'm very, I'm not trusting very much of corporate media, period. Not saying they lie all the time, but they lie enough. So I don't know. I don't know, but Iran is calling for that. Now, speaking of Iran, I didn't include this article, but I think it, people are calling out the United States and the Trump administration for slapping a new round of sanctions on Iran. Now, you talking you talking about them failing to stop the spread of coronavirus, but you you've had these sanctions on them for a very long time. To where they can't get what they need to come to to even take care of everyday medical, you know, needs of people. So there's that. All right. So before I move on to um, this topic about Africa, which um, you know I found echoed some of the information that Angel gave us about how this virus is spreading abnormally. Now, she was talking specific to the United States, but this particular article from allafrica.com is talking about globally. It's, it doesn't seem to be moving the way that normal viruses spread. So, you know, Angel used the word bioterrorism. And I, I think, you know, we have to consider everything and rule nothing out until... We get some concrete information, but I'm, you know, she's, she's a trained epidemiologist. This is what she was trained to do. This is the work she's been doing for a number of years. So, you know, I, I, I trust that she knows what she's talking about. She has no reason to lie to me. Okay. So when we come back on the other side of this break, um, we will get into this article from allafrica.com, which is posted in the discussion thread for tonight's pro uh, program in btrcommunity.com. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. And as I always tell you, I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc., where they still practice a form of legal slavery through the prisons and jails. We'll be back. Stay tuned.
think about me, niggas, and you ain't gonna do no revolutionary action, forget about me. I don't want my, I don't want myself on your mind if you're not gonna work for the people. Like we always did, if you ask to make a commitment at the age of 20, and you say, I don't want to make that commitment on this, because of the reason that I'm too young to die, I want to live a little bit longer. What you did, you did already. Monroe, North Carolina, the town where local NAACP president Robert Williams created headlines when he said, sometimes violence must be met with violence. Many asked why. You know, we do whatever we do to survive. Drop it! Some of the people who had thought that it would be better to settle these cases violently, uh, I had been able to uh, persuade them that we should use the courts and go into the courts. So this thing had, uh, had boomerang, and uh, I was being uh, held responsible for having brought these cases to court. There was a trial where a Negro maid had been kicked down a flight of stairs uh, by a white man, and that uh, this man hadn't even bothered to come to his own trial and that he had, uh, he had also uh, been uh, acquitted. And uh, there was a demonstration as a result of this in uh, the courtroom by the Negro women of the community. And uh, they had approached me and uh, had said, well, you said that you would see that these people would be punished because uh, through the organization we would have competent counsel and uh, that if it hadn't been for you that these people would have been punished and uh, they wanted to know what I would recommend that they do from then on and so I recommended that that they meet violence with violence that uh, Negroes must be prepared 
to recross, attack, that they must be willing to fight, that they must be willing to die and to kill if necessary, that uh, there was no law and no 14th Amendment uh, to the United States Constitution of equal protection in the South, and that therefore they didn't have any deterrent, so they would have to create the, the, the deterrent force themselves by nuking violence with violence. Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. And we're back. Black Talk Radio News with Scotty Reed broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. And for those that don't know what I mean when I say US Inc., USA Inc., I'm talking about the corporation. You know, a lot of people don't know that. That that government in Washington, D.C. is actually... A corporation. They incorporated, all right? Um, look it up. Don't take my word for it. Now, also, before I get into this allafrica.com article about um, asking the question, why are there so few corona cases in Russia and Africa, okay? Um, but before I get into that, again, I must stress, you know, we have to be responsible for those that have an audience, you know, I, but a lot of people, they just post whatever on Facebook because of something they heard. Sometimes I don't even know if they believe it themselves. And they come up with these theories, like, for example, oh, Africans um, and African-Americans can't catch the coronavirus. It's only attacking Europeans and, and white people and totally false, totally false. You know, and then other people talking about the flu. Yeah, people die from the flu. That's mostly elderly people with other complications that die from the flu. That's also people who don't have access to the proper medication or access to, you know, a doctor. And by the time they do go see one, they probably got full-blown pneumonia or something and they die. But that doesn't mean because the coronavirus from the corona family of viruses, this new strain, Novel COVID-19, it's the same as the flu. Now, from what I've heard, it is more lethal than the flu, especially for elderly people, okay? Especially for elderly people. But that doesn't mean just because you're young that you can't die from it, especially if you already got respiratory problems. And we know it's a lot of asthmatic people out there and what have you. And then you should be concerned about spreading it to your elderly mama and daddy or your grandparents. People take this serious. Take it very, very serious. Okay. And, you know, we, we just have to be more responsible in the information. If you don't know, just say you don't know. I ain't got a problem with telling you I don't know. If somebody asks me a question, I'll be like, well, I don't know. I've seen no evidence to that. You know, uh, I may have heard this and heard that, but I, I can't call it for you. I, I, I can't say with any certainty whatsoever. Okay. And just be honest with people. I don't know why some people like to come up with these wild conspiracy theories. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm not even going to speculate on why some people just just like to just put out the wildest things to attract attention. 
And, you know, this is something to be taken serious, right? It, it is. So getting back to this article from All Africa, why are there so few corona cases in Russia and Africa? This kind of speaks to what Angel was saying to me in our conversation, which I had broadcast on last night's program, the last podcast, that here in the United States, it doesn't fit, it's abnormally spreading. You got an epicenter in Seattle, Washington. You got an epicenter in New York City, and they're over 3,000 miles apart on separate ends of the country. How did it jump like that? And why is the cases spreading so fast? Well, I imagine population has something to do with it, especially New York City, which is overpopulated, is one of the most populated places on the face of the planet, or I should say cities on the face of the planet. And so, you know, you got a lot of people that rely on public transportation and, and you know, it can spread easily in cities like that. So... Um, anyway, just take it serious. So this is an article by Jeremy uh, Roseman of the University of Kent. He says, since the COVID-19 pandemic began in Wuhan, China in December of 2019, we have seen the virus spread to over 160 countries. Several countries have experienced large outbreaks, including China, South Korea, Italy, Iran, Spain, and France, with the U.S. and U.K. seeing rapidly increasing numbers. But most countries in the world have reported very few to no cases of COVID-19. Now, this came out just two days ago, this article. While it is likely that the virus has not yet reached and started localized transmission in every country, many of these countries have strong travel migration or trade relationships with China. This raises the question, are these low case numbers due to the virus not reaching or establishing infections? Is it due to effective border control or does it reflect a lack of screening and reporting? So I will say based off of what I've read that the Chinese were very aggressive in quarantining that area, okay, and in restricting travel, and I know that played a role in it. Again, they're reporting now no new cases, no new diagnosed cases, okay. Um, take that for what it's worth. Can I say that for sure? No, I can't, but that's what they're saying, that's what they're reporting. Um, and I've seen other outlets reporting the same again due to their aggressive tackling of this this uh, pandemic in their country and getting help from Cuba, Cuban doctors, okay? So um, going on, it says, the spread of an infectious disease from its country of origin is a complicated process involving many factors, but at its core, it is related to the movement of people. There are several parameters that can be used to coarsely estimate movement, travel, inbound and outbound, migration, trade, and proximity. Looking at the number of COVID-19 cases in the context of the rank order of flow of people and goods between China and other countries, we see the results as of March 15 in the table below. Um, so obviously you can't see see the table, um, but it's just a table, and I imagine you can find one elsewhere, um, the different 
case numbers in various countries, okay? Um, and they've highlighted Russia, okay? And I imagine we're about to get into why Russia's being highlight, highlighted. Some countries with very good travel migration and trade links with China still have comparable low case numbers. Both Japan and Singapore have fewer than 1,000 cases. For these countries, there has been early and extensive border screening, control, and surveillance, which has probably held the localized transmission in check. Now, contrast that on what we reported last night about spring break allowed to go on in Florida on its beaches with thousands of people from all over the country flocking to Florida beaches for spring break. Mostly young people, okay, which which may um, be able to contract the virus but remain asymptomatic, meaning not showing any kind of symptoms, but are carriers, meaning that they can spread it to other people. They can take it back home and, and give it to grandma or grandpa, okay? So, it goes on to say it is interesting to see that most of the global cases are found north of the Tropic of Cancer. At present, there are only 2,025 cases south of the Tropic of Cancer. Case numbers in countries residing in the tropics or current southern hemisphere winter make up just 1.29% of the global cases. This could reflect global travel and trade relationships with China, or it could reflect impacts of climate on COVID-19 transmission. So early speculation has been that as you get into warmer weather, uh, viruses don't spread as easily, you know. Um, don't too many people get the flu, if at all, during summer months, okay? Mostly here in the United States, people get the flu during winter months when it's cold. Although here in the United I mean, in North Carolina, we didn't have much of a winter at all. We had one day of snow. That's it. When, when I first moved back to North Carolina, my place of birth, um, from Detroit, we were getting at least four months of, of, of snow on the ground. We've only had one day thus far. It's gotten cold some days, but it didn't last long. It's basically been 50 to 60 degree weather here. And so I, I don't know for certain if that's related to climate change or not. Um, I know a lot of people are climate change skeptics out there. I'm pretty much on the side of something's happening. Something's happening, but I'm not an expert. All right. Now, I do know, though, you can't continue to pour pollution into the atmosphere because it's going to destroy air quality, if not, you know, cause global warming. So take your pick. Still cause to be concerned. All right. So um, it goes on to say it is also possible that the broad range of tropical infectious diseases has masked the identification of COVID-19 cases that often present with mild, nonspecific Symptoms, And that's something Angel was saying uh, last night, you know, or to me yesterday, but I played the conversation last night and saying that right now they don't have a, a good case definition for coronavirus uh, or COVID-19 because it's still new. It's still relatively new. Okay. 
Now it says, finally, the low levels of reported cases in many countries may be due to a lack of testing or a lack of reporting, which we can say that here in the United States. How many people are they really testing? Now, I did get a text message from the Veterans Administration, uh, Health Administration, saying that, you know, they're not allowing people who have any kind of flu-like symptoms into the VA hospitals or, or clinics, but you can get tested, but you got to be a veteran and what have you. And um, they had a list of cases, and I think it was less than 100 or slightly just above 100 uh, cases of veterans um, presenting, you know, dis or testing positive for COVID-19. All right, now, let me see. Let me jump down. Um, dangerous game. Let me go down to this section. It is of particular concern that with close relationships to China and extensive national resources, Russia has only reported 63 cases. While it is possible that this low number reflects their active border control and screening, there is a concern that this reflects either a lack of screening or a lack of reporting. Combined with the recent evidence that Russia has been behind several recent COVID-19 disinformation campaigns. Now, I don't, I don't know about all that. I looked at the information, but I'm telling you, I don't trust Western-based media because everything is a, a Russia-based disinformation campaign. You know, Hillary Clinton lost because Russia posted Facebook ads, the majority of, the, of which were after the election had already been held. But, oh, that's that's why she lost. You know, that Russia gating um, has been debunked, but some people still want to engage in it. All right. But Russia borders China and a number of other countries that border China don't have as high a number of cases confirmed as does we have here in the United States or in Italy or in Iran, which have, you know, particularly high ca cases that have been um, confirmed through testing. So I'm, on the, I'm in the agreement that with uh, Angel on a broader scale that I wonder if bioterrorism is involved in this. It's hard to say. But, you know, I'm leaning on her expertise, her her uh, profession, her experience to say that it's moving, it's spreading abnormally. So, um, I have um, looked at some other African news outlets and there are, you know, cases popping up, but it's, it's very, very low. It's very low, you know, in relation to what we're seeing here in the United States. So, um, stop promoting that garbage or that fake news or disinformation that African people, melanated people have some kind of immunity to this COVID-19 virus, okay? Um, and then, you know, one of the reasons why it isn't spreading like that, again, can point to effective border control, effective, you know, with the Chinese um, being aggressive with their quarantines because, you know, China does have uh, strong trade partnerships in Africa, um, but also it's a rural area. Most of, most of the people in Africa live outside of urban cities. 
you know, urban areas. You don't have a whole bunch of people living in, in cities in Africa. So like Angel was telling me, you know, that's why you don't see high cases, number of cases across the Midwest or in rural areas like here, although here in Gaston County, sad to report, um, last night I said we had zero confirmed cases. Now we have one. One person was confirmed uh, who was tested in Mecklenburg County, which is in Charlotte, which is uh, Charlotte is in Mecklenburg County, was tested um, and found to have COVID-19. So just, you know, information, a lot of information, a lot of variables that have to be consider considered. And I feel safe in saying that nobody knows for certain anything in terms of how it came to be and how it's spreading. But I do know one thing is that people need to take it serious. Take this very, very serious. Take the precautions. Um, you know, if, if you're not a prepper, if you have not been prepping, might be too late for you now. Don't waste your time buying up the toilet paper. You need to be buying beans and rice, canned goods, dry goods, food. You need food more than you need toilet paper. You can use other things to, you know, uh, uh, do your hygiene. Uh, you don't really need a bunch of this hand sanitizer. Uh, you can just use regular soap. Regular soap will do. And and just wash your hands. You know, this is this is what I've been doing. I do have to go out from time to time to get some gas and, you know, get something from the store. Um, but I don't go out that often. And I do have to touch the gas pump. And I don't know, you know, how this thing is being spread. So when I go and I touch the gas pump or I touch the, the uh, counter at the store or I touch this and I touch that, I don't know, maybe I should start going out with gloves. But even if I got on gloves, I can't touch my face. I'm not touching my face. And I go home and I start washing my hands for at least 30 seconds. Okay? So, and and I have already for the past 20 years been practicing social distancing. I've been stopped going to the club. I've been stopped. I never was a, a, a big into going into large events um, like, you know, NBA basketball games or NFL football games or soccer games where, you know, it's hundreds to sometimes a hundred thousand or more, ten thousands, tens of thousands of people. I've never been one for that. Okay. And my reason is those could be targets for terrorism. And, you know, I watch it on TV if I want to see it that bad. I, I just, and then also, I don't have that kind of disposable income. So it's a number of reasons why I don't, I practice social distancing and not going to um, crowded places like that, you know. And, and and fortunately, you know, I don't have to work outside of, of the house, but everybody uh, isn't that fortunate. So just practice the common sense uh, recommendations that have been given to us and hopefully you'll be okay but nothing's 100% guaranteed you know and I'm not in a panic I'm not I've never been one to worry about um, um, when I say worry doesn't mean I don't take precautions 
but I've never been one to worry about losing my life. You know, it's appointed a time for every person to die. And if it ain't my time to die, then I ain't going to die. If it's my time to die, then I'm going to die and there's nothing I can do about it. So why, you know, um, spend a lot of time worrying about it, you know, hyperventilating over it. But again, I do, I am a cautious person. I don't take unnecessary risks. All right. So, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about, I'm, I'm not worried about dying from this coronavirus. You know, I'm more worried about my mom's who is 72 years old and in very good health. Um, you know, everybody say, like I was telling her, um, you in good health for your age, you know, um, still active, go, you know, not limited in her mobility whatsoever, still likes to get out there in, in the yard and, and what have you. But uh, like I told, told my niece, you know, and my niece agreed, um, she works for the airline, that she's going to stay home. She has an apartment in Charlotte. She's just going to stay home until this thing passes because we don't want, she don't want her grandmother infected. All right. So that's that on Africa and the Corona virus. Now I want to get into um, some more articles. Now I have an entire thread going. Let me pull this thread up that I have uh, posted in BTR community. So, oh man, I hope I didn't close that one folder. Okay, yeah, I do have that one uh, still up. All right, so I got a couple of articles to share with you. Now, this is what I'm saying. I don't trust the results of the Democratic primary for a number of reasons. I just find it hard to believe that for months and months, almost a year, that people have been saying healthcare is their number one issue. No, they ain't satisfied with Obamacare, which rightly should be called Romney Care, since it's, it you know, Romney is the one who came up with this, him and his Republican friends. This is a Republican plan. And, and you should know that just by the fact, well, I shouldn't say, you should know that just by the fact that Republicans did it cause Democratic parties in the pockets of these corporations as well. But that bill that, uh, that, uh, what do they call it? The affordable, I call it the unaffordable, um, care act has very, very high premiums. Now that mandate has been struck down. That was forcing people to buy insurance, but that was basically a giveaway to the insurance industries. So, yeah, it did cover a whole lot more people, but it still left millions uh, uninsured of the most vulnerable people in our population. So, no, people are not, a majority of people are not happy with the Affordable Care Act. And they want Medicare for all. They want a single-payer health care system where the government, you know, controls the costs and makes the payments and whatnot, you know, because we as taxpayers through a payroll tax and, and, and uh, I imagine other taxes would cover it and it still would be cheaper than what we're being, what um, is being paid out now to private insurers, whether through the government or straight out of your paycheck, it still would be cheaper according to all studies, and Medicare for All would create jobs. But no, 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 that ain't what the insurance industry wants. They want to maintain 
They're profits. They want to maintain control over who gets health care and who doesn't. Okay? And it's just something inhumane about this system. Well, I shouldn't say something. The system is inhumane. So, you know, those polls saying that a majority of people in double digits in these exit polls, well, before the exit polls when people started voting, but other polls on these different news websites and these polling companies were saying a majority of the people want Medicare for all. Now we get to exit polls. So let me just share an excerpt from this article from fair.org. Again, all this is posted in my thread in btrcommunity.com. In Michigan, where voters backed Biden over 53% to 36%, exit polls showed those same voters picked the government plan over private health insurance by a remarkable 57% to 39%. In Texas, which also handed more delegates to Biden, voters supported a government plan by even more, 64% to 33%. While even in conservative South Carolina, where Biden received more than twice as many votes as Sanders, private insurance still lost out 49% to 46%, so a 3% difference. But in all the other places, double digits, sometimes triple digits. No, double digits, close to triple digits. And, And so it says, note that the polling questions used the government versus private formula promoted by the insurance industry, still people preferred the Medicare for all or the single-payer plan. So, I don't know. Well, I mean, if they ask the same people, what do you want? Do you want Medicare for all or do you want things to remain as is? It don't make no sense for those people then to vote for the candidate that's against it. That The logic is not computing. I don't want to call people dumb, but I don't know what other word to use. Maybe I could say uninformed, uninformed. Maybe they don't know that Biden, although it's been pretty clear to me, he's making it pretty clear, he does not support a single-payer health care system. Again, he's in the pocket of the health care industry and the billionaires who have profited from this inhumane uh, uh, system. So that just makes no sense. Either these people are dumb, uninformed, or something more troubling. The votes counting is being rigged because it, it don't... It, it doesn't make any logical sense, people. It just doesn't. It doesn't. And I don't see how anybody can say that it does. So who wants the revolution? No one who owns a major media outlet, um, as reported by Fair.org, which keeps, which is a media watchdog um, that I that I subscribe to. And you know, as I may have stated earlier during this podcast, that. All of the, you got six corporations controlling ninety percent of what we see. Of course, their their media 
is going to be biased against Sanders because he wants to break up those companies, those monopolies. He wants to break up Comcast. He wants to break up uh, Viacom. He wants to, to break up the other three that's not coming to my mind or the other four that's not coming to my mind right now. Okay? So, of course, and then again, these are platforms owned by billionaires. And you have multi-millionaires as the pundits. You don't think they're biased? So, Malcolm X was correct, man. Media control can control the minds of the masses. That's why I feel like the only way to combat media programming or media misinformation is for us to build a grassroots media network. I have a plan for that. I just don't have the funding. So we have to make do with what we have. And we are reaching people. We are reaching people, but you know, we don't get the financial support we need from those who utilize or consume the media. We we will not make it pass this year. And it'll be a shame to lose this platform. Um, you know, which has a huge archive. We have a huge archive of, you know, podcasts. Probably the largest archive of black podcasts in the world. Perhaps that's another reason why um, we were ranked the number one black podcasting uh, network in the world. Next article. Exit polling shows large percentage of Democratic voters want to move on from Obama policies and shift further left. Well, if you listen in the mainstream media, that's not what you're hearing, is it? You're not hearing that. And this comes to what uh, from, and it is a right-leaning website, but I can discern facts from fiction. I can discern when somebody's being biased or being objective. I can discern that. Okay, but it says exit polling shows large percentage of Democratic voters want to move on from Obama policies and shift farther left. So that kind of flies in the face of, well, that's Obama's boy. That was his Republican whisperer, you know, a, a, a racist who was not as blatantly racist. Well, it just depends on what era you were talking about. But, you know, Joe Biden gets down with racists. You know, he did give uh, Th- uh, Strom Thurmond's eulogy at his funeral and was talking about, you know, him in glowing terms, knowing he was a white supremacist who once said, you know, uh, uh, Dixie now and Dixie forever. I may have messed that quote up. And then the whole time he had a secret black daughter. Talking about the former South Carolina senator, uh, Strom Thurmond, who died. Not that not that long ago. It ain't. It wasn't last year or a couple of years ago. But it's been in. It, it ain't been that long ago. All right. So no, black voters, and it ain't just on black voters. But you know, I do. I do have more contacts with black people than I do with other people. But oh, that's Obama's boy. We trust Obama. You know, that's what all the black pundits were saying. We that's Obama's boy. You know. We trust Joe because we know Joe. No, the hell you don't know Joe. Do you really know Joe? Because if you knew Joe, if you had any self-respect, if you had any concern for not rewarding people who have brought great harm to your community, you wouldn't be talking about, I know Joe, so I'm going to go with Joe. It's not logical. 
It is not logical. But again, I understand the power of media. Like Hitler said, tell a big lie. Tell it often enough, keep repeating it, and the people will believe it. So over 50% of Democrats in Florida and Illinois said they support a government-run health care system for all, similar to Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders' platform. Fox News polling, which framed its questions slightly differently, shows support for government-run health care was even higher at 71% in Illinois and 74% in Florida. That's like triple-digit margins there. Sanders was unable to capitalize on that support for his health care plan, falling to Vice President Joe Biden in both states. Again, the logic doesn't make sense. It's illogical for someone to say, health care is my number one issue. I trust Bernie Sanders more than anyone, and I want his Medicare for all, but I'm going to vote for the guy who's against it. That don't make sense. Somebody make it make sense. You can't make it make sense. It don't make sense. And it, again, we got to either be talking about the dumbest voters in on the planet or the most uninformed voters on the planet or people whose mind is definitely under the control of mainstream media. Okay? Again, the exit polling is not making any sense whatsoever. So I'm going to call it, re- I'm going to say it's rigged. I'm saying the Democratic primary is rigged. And let's not forget, there was a fraud lawsuit lodged against the D- Democratic National Committee in Florida. And they admitted to rigging the 2016 primary, to tipping the scales in favor of Hillary Clinton. And But the judge agreed with the defendants, the DNC, and said, well, they are a, prop- a private corporation, so they have every right to rig their primary. Well, I tell you, do we really have democracy then here in the United States? Do we really have a government for the people, by the people? You logically will have to come to the conclusion that no, we don't. If, co- if the federal courts is saying an entity like the DNC has a right to pick and choose in a smoke-filled back room, whoever they want their nominee to be, then we don't, we, we don't have free and fair elections in this country. There's no other conclusion you could come to. And I hate to be that guy. I hate to be that guy. I hate to be that guy. Because I've been participating in voting since the 90s. But when it comes to these national elections, when it comes to picking the most powerful person on the planet, it seems like we're not choosing. It's what it seems like. It's what the evidence says to me in a court lawsuit and a judge issuing a verdict in a 
a corporation called the DNC admitting that they have a right to rig it, what what other what other conclusion can we come to, people? I hate to be that guy, but I'm that guy now. I'm that guy. I don't know what to tell you. I have no answers. I know for me as a black person, as an African descendant person, the answer for me is not flying flying to Africa and living in Africa. Number one, I don't have the funds unless they're going to pay out some reparations, which I don't even know if I would qualify because I've yet to find an enslaved person in my family tree. But I don't have the funds to just pack up and leave like that. I don't know nobody over there. What would I do? And then I'm not going to pretend like they don't have the same problems over there. We had people in Ghana reaching out to us a couple of years ago about prison slavery being a problem in Ghana. I I have reported on Uganda using prison slaves to pick cotton. I don't think there's anywhere that I can think of safe. If I'm going to go anywhere, I'm going to Cuba. Okay? They seem to have the most humane system. And despite them being under a decades-long um, you know, embargo, they still doing they still doing for themselves and self-sustaining. Then you got all these wars in Africa, you got all these tribal conflicts going on. You even had in South Africa uh members of the Zulu tribe attacking Africans from other nations, talking about go back to your own country. Okay? I and, and I'm hey. I don't think that there is a serious contingent or enough people who are arming themselves and training for a civil war that's going to take four states or however many, any territory, let a, a county, let alone a state, from the United States or from a state. You're not going to pick up arms and do that. No, you're not. I served in the military. I know what they got. And I know what you ain't got. I'm not going to sell people a pipe dream. So I'm simply going to say to you, I don't know what the answer is. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, when we start allowing the oligarchs to divide us by the color of our skin or by the religions that we practice, and we start classifying ourselves as the haves and the have-nots, the 1% versus the 99%, then maybe, just maybe, 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 we can have another civil war and take these people out of power and implement a more just society and a real democracy because we don't have one. We don't have one here. So, you know, take it as you will. Now, I'm about to criticize Bernie Sanders. I've been holding back on my criticism of Bernie Sanders, but I'm here to tell you I think Bernie Sanders is a coward. I think he's a coward. There's a lot of cowards in this world. And the reason I say he's a coward 
is because he talk a good game, but I don't think he really want to put his life on the line to do what's needed to do to expose these people like they need to be exposed to wake up the masses like they need to wake up. How I, 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 lost, I lost respect for him when he endorsed Hillary Clinton, a murderer. And then, dude, you know you was cheated, but you went along, you caved in, and you went along with it, and you endorsed her. And campaigned for her. That shows me a lack of self-respect. You let them people cheat you. And I, I don't want to believe that he's corrupt and he's some kind of, what do they call it, manufactured opposition. I don't, I don't want to believe that. I don't see no evidence of that, of that. But I do see evidence of cowardice. You let these people dog you out like that. You know the media has been against you. You don't call them out like you're supposed to call them out consistently. You don't even let your campaign uh, uh, surrogates call them out like they want to call them out, like they should be called out. You know, going to try to put the reins on Nina Turner when she wrote that article uh, for that South Carolina p- paper talking about Joe Biden's racism and documenting it. Oh, you don't want to go negative, but that's all they've been doing to you. That's all they've been doing to you. Politics is the wrong, wrong game for a soft person. You can't be soft. You got to be, I ain't now, watch my words. You don't have to be unethical, but you got to be ruthless. And he just doesn't seem to have it in him. He doesn't. And you calling these people your friends? Oh, my good friend Joe Biden or my good friend so-and-so or my good friend uh, Elizabeth Warren after she didn't stab me in the back and lie, lied on me and called me a sexist, but she's still my good friend. Well, dude, you need to find a better class of friends because them people are not acting like your allies. They're acting like your enemy. And so I don't know if it's cowardice or if it's just not in him to be, you know, cutthroat. Again, you don't you can be cutthroat and not be unethical. I don't know what it is. Still love his policy prescriptions. He isn't the first one to propose them. A lot of that stuff Jesse Jackson was pushing in his campaign when Bernie Sanders was just a mayor. Jesse Jackson was calling for a single-payer health care system. So was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I love the policies. I think the policies is what the world needs. But I don't think Sanders is that leader anymore. He has shown a lack of leadership quality. And I'm speaking from a professional a perspective of one who's been in the military, who's taken leadership classes, who has held leadership positions with hundreds of people, you know, having to answer to my authority. And I, I don't say that with, you know, any ego involved, but it is what it was. 
This dude don't got what it takes. People see any weakness in you, man. They just going to keep bullying you and keep bullying you and keep bullying you until you give in. But there's a couple of audio clips that that I want to play that's talking about not just the exit polls in terms of who wants Medicare for all, but electronic vote flipping and things of that like that. So I uh, subscribe to the Jimmy Dore show, which is a progressive YouTube show um, by Jimmy Dore, who's a comedian. And, um, you know, it's a pretty good show. You should subscribe to it. He shares a lot of good information. He's uncompromising, uncompromising, I should say. Um, But he had a guest on who had ran against Debbie Wasserman Schultz down there, Schultz in Florida, who was forced to resign from the DNC in 2016 when those emails got leaked or hacked. It don't matter to me. It's still, they got exposed. Um, and she had to resign for rigging the 2016 primary. So he had a guy on that uh, ran against her. And I'm only going to share about three minutes of him talking about that. But you should see the whole clip, which I did post that video in btrcommunity.com. Now I'm going to bring in Tim Canova now because he knows a thing or two about Tim suppression and election fraud. And Tim was, of course, running against Debbie Wasserman Schultz in Florida. And uh, there was clear chicanery happening with the votes. In fact, in his first run against her, uh, they destroyed the ballots, which was illegal. And so somebody was supposed to go to jail, except it's a one-party rule. So it didn't matter. They all covered for each other, and nobody went to jail, even though a judge ruled it was illegal to destroy the ballots. And here's Tim Canova with us right now, a victim of election fraud. Hi, Tim. How are you? Hi there, Jimmy. Doing very well, thanks. How are you? Good. So I'm going to let me show before. So I just want to show you this. According to the UN, exit poll discrepancies exceeding four percent signify election fraud. Well, here's what we've got so far. Look at the discrepancies. Yeah. Uh, some of them, most of them, are double digits. Yes. Double digit discrepancy. So, Tim. Can you tell me what is your opinion about what's happening in this primary to Bernie Sanders? How does Joe Biden, who was in last place, nobody couldn't get 10 people to show up for a, a campaign event? Isn't even campaigning, by the way. And Bernie mm-hmm. Sanders getting huge crowds like normal. Somehow Joe Biden is kicking his ass. Do you believe these results? I don't believe any of the results. Uh, you know, Joe Biden's miraculous surge um, makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, not only did the results exceed the exit polls, they exceeded the pre-primary polls, many of which had him in third and fourth place in some of those Super Tuesday states. Um, we're supposed to believe the narratives that are being spun, that it's all because of either voter suppression. Voter suppression is real, but it's not on the kind of scale that could possibly explain these exit polls, for instance. We're told the millennials didn't show up to vote, that the endorsements from Mayor Pete and some others were just unbelievable, you know, endorsements that shifted millions of votes. I don't believe any of those explanations. Really, the only explanation that makes sense is that the electronic voting machines, the software was rigged. 
-hmm. We saw this happen to us in both 2016 and 2018. There's a reason they threw out the ballots from 2016, because they were afraid the ballots were going to show the reality, which is that the results were rigged. Both times, um, the experts said our official results were mathematically impossible. 2018 was really a watershed because I, I went up and really put myself out there to expose these election, the election rigging by electronic voting machines. I was writing to every senator, including Bernie Sanders and every member of the House. They were on notice exactly what happened, and Bernie Sanders and the rest chose to ignore it as if it wouldn't happen to Bernie Sanders in 2020. Um, you know, this is a sort of type of candidate malpractice that he didn't think it would happen to himself. And then when it happened, he's not willing to step up and expose it. Sanders' campaign raised $36 million last month. They have the resources to expose this, and they choose not to. What? There you go. Choosing not to. Choosing not to. Now, I tried to share a screenshot on Facebook. Um, there's another candidate that's running down there in Florida. Um, it's a, a, a white female who's running against Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And she shared a graph on Twitter um, that showed the discrepancy between the vote totals that were reported and the exit uh, uh, polls and saying that by United Nations guidelines, any kind of uh, gaps or discrepancies of that magnitude um, are are a classic case or a classic sign of election fraud. Man, I hate to be that guy, man. I hate to be that guy, but I got to be that guy because that's what all the evidence is showing me. But when I tried to share that on Facebook, and not just that, other information I've tried to share, uh, Facebook censors the content and then gives me this message that, oh, the person, this content isn't available because the person who posted it said it for a limited audience. I did no such thing. I'm the one who posted it. Okay? Mostly related to Joe, information I was posted related to Joe Biden's record and related to um, what I just shared with you about the discrepancies in the exit polls. And, and then they just censor the content. And then, you know me, I'm, I'm not one to give up too easy, and I'll post it again. And then they wouldn't catch it. Or I would post it in the comment section of what I tried to post, and they censored the image. I'll post it again. And y'all know how I feel about Facebook. Even though I utilize it, I'm still able to reach people through Facebook. But we built our own social media community for a reason. Facebook is a surveillance network that meet not just the United States government uses, not just the local police uses, okay? Um, that's why I just don't get why people want to be flossing, to use some slang, on Facebook. We had a guy in Charlotte rob a bank. He worked at the bank, was, was stealing money from the bank, and then on Facebook... He posting himself, he posting pictures of himself with stacks of cash, holding it up like a telephone, like you seen that if you have seen that picture of Lil Wayne doing that or other rappers doing that. And then these expensive cars, I don't know if he rented them or paid cash for them. And I'm like, man, 
How dumb are you? You need to be on, I don't know if they still had those shows, The World's Dumbest Criminal. Facebook is a surveillance network, and it's not just here in the United States that they use it as a surveillance tool, but Israel uses it. And I imagine other countries uses uses it. And Facebook usually, um, you know, when they call for somebody's stuff to be shut down, they shut it down. We even got our own, our Twitter profile shut down. Our ma- I have another one up, but I'm not even posting on Twitter like that no more. I just post upcoming shows on our new Twitter account. But the old Twitter account, all I did was correct some disinformation. Somebody got nasty with me. I get nasty back because I can give as good as I can get. And then next thing I know, I'm being I'm being suspended permanently for hate speech at um at a protected group. Wait a minute. This person's black. I'm black. I didn't threaten no violence. Why am I being shut down? Why am I being shut down? Well, okay, it's because of the information that I was sharing. Okay? And then this media, t- media narrative, the Bernie bros. Oh, Bernie bro was mean to me. Bernie bro was mean to me. But yeah, they, sh- they shut down our Twitter profile that we had had since 2008. I appealed it, didn't hear nothing else back from them. Now, I was thinking about suing them for defamation. Um, not defamation, what do they call it? When you post something in print um, or write it out, and you know electronic media included they're saying you go to the account now it says suspended for breaking the rules but I ain't break no rules you are you are uh, uh, slandering me I got the screenshots of what you said I was practicing hate speech and but now since black talk radio again got ranked the number one black podcasting platform I can't claim any that I was damaged by that because one of the things that they, one of the variables that they include in their calculations at Feedspot for who has the pop, the top podcast, they also include your social media audience. Okay. And since we, for the second year in a row, have claimed the number one spot, I can't claim any, da- I can't claim that that damaged me. I don't know, but it's, 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 it's just not worth me pursuing. Okay, it's not worth me, you know, spending a whole lot of time doing the leg work and filing my own paperwork until I could find an attorney to take the case. But it, I, I'm just no, I'm not, I'm just not going to waste my time. It didn't affect our number one ranking, and we have our own platform, and you know, I just easily uh, sidestep their rules and 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 technical things they set up to prevent me from setting up a new one and I did it anyway and I'm just not going to post uh, you know uh, direct messages on there no more I'm just going to post what we post in terms of upcoming radio programs or podcasts that have been uh, published okay so I'm telling you man we don't have a free press we don't have freedom of speech what we have is a controlled press and we have controlled speech. Say something you don't like, they can shut you down. Now, it is within their right. 
I do maintain, I'm not going to change just because I've been victimized. But if I set up a platform, it's a private platform, it's not a publicly held, government-run social media platform, then I have the right to kick people off for whatever reason. Even though I, I do not operate like that just because I don't agree with something, I'd rather tell you why I don't agree with your post than kick you off. You got to really be engaged in, in some nefarious propaganda for me to ban you from BTR community, which I have, have banned one person, one person, because of the content that they were posting, okay? So I'm telling you, man, Bernie Sanders is either a coward or he doesn't have the intestinal fortitude to take on the establishment like he said he was going to take on the establishment. So I'm going to close out with this as, as I'm approaching being on air for two hours. I'm going to close out with this. And I, I don't know. I, maybe I was just trying to be hopeful, you know, in, in participating in, in voting. And I'm not going to stop voting. I'm just not going to vote for Democrats or Republicans anymore unless it's on a local level and I vetted that person. Okay, I should never say never, but the system is not going to allow a person that's going to have a platform that benefits the masses of poor and working class people versus the 1%. They made that clear two straight elections to me that they're not going to let that happen. The media is not going to let that happen. They're working in conjunction with the major parties. They're not going to let it happen. So why should, why, why should I keep voting for them? I will go Green Party. I will do my best to raise up the Green Party, which has a very progressive platform with, with policies that I agree with. Now, maybe that'll just help on a local level. Maybe it'll just help in the state, which I had a question. I wonder if, if a state could pass Medicare for all or any of these progressive policies and just have them apply to the state. Certainly they can. So maybe I will put my focus more as an individual on the politics in the state that I live. Doesn't mean I'm going to stop reporting on national politics and, and exposing the corruption. That, you know, I'm still going to do that. But in terms of me casting the ballot for these two birds, two wings of the same bird, man, forget it. Forget it. We do not have free and fair elections. So Malcolm X gave a quote-unquote controversial speech on December the 1st in 1963 at the Manhattan Center in New York City called God's Judgment of White America, The Chickens Come Home to Roost, following the assassination of John F. Kennedy, which earned him a 90-day suspension from the Nation of Islam. Because you can't be talking bad about them white people's hero. Yeah, we got to shut you down, you know. Um, yeah, I think I will continue uh, and do the last three episodes of Who Killed Malcolm X that's on Netflix. But, uh, yeah, I've already done three. They are in my ar archives. But this is an excerpt from that speech, and it applies today as much as it applied back then. In this deceitful American game of power politics, the Negroes, i.e. the race problem, the integration and civil rights issues are nothing but tools used by one group of whites 
called liberals against another group of whites called conservatives, either to get into power or to remain in power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. The white conservatives from both parties do likewise. And I'm telling y'all, Joe Biden is a conservative. I don't care if he got a D behind his name. Um, the white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful than the conservative. The liberal is more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship, allegiance, and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a tool in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. Politically, the American Negro is nothing but a football, and the white liberals control this man men, mentally dead ball through, let me, let me start that over. Politically, the American Negro is nothing but a football, and the white liberals control this mentally dead ball through tricks of tokenism, false promises of integration and civil rights. In this profitable game of deceiving and exploiting the political politician of the American Negro, those white liberals have the willing cooperation of the Negro civil rights leaders. Think John John. Um, dang, I call him Rockhead because he got beat upside the head so many times and didn't die. He must got a head like a rock. Uh, John Lewis. See, John Lewis, man, have voted against the things that Dr. King was fighting for. He voted for bills to militarize the police. Okay? And a lot of them came out of the civil rights movement and as they say in the spook who sat by the door, they got government jobs. Cowardice. Cowardice. Saw the assassination of King. Saw the assassination of Malcolm X. Saw the assassination of Black Panther leaders like Fred Hampton and the attempted assassination of others. And then the, the uh, uh, false imprisonment of yet even more some are still political prisoners to this day. See? Sellouts. That's why they're called sellouts. And we have to be direct. I, you know, I don't engage in petty name calling uh, unless I'm joking around. Um, but sometimes you got to call a spade a spade. And if a word, if the definition of a word best describes what you're talking about, then you need to use that word. And the word is sellout. You sold out for butter biscuits from the 1% to betray the 99, or in the case of these black political actors, of the black constituency you pretend to represent while really voting against everything that will help them and, and, and voting for things that help the corporations, the pharmaceutical companies, the healthcare industry, the prison industrial complex, 
Malcolm X went on, went on to say, let me just start over again, in this profitable game of deceiving and exploiting the political politician of the American Negro, those white liberals have the willing cooperation of the Negro civil rights leaders. These leaders sell out our people for just a few crumbs of token recognition and token gains. Every time they need a token, that's why, man, I ain't going to say, I, I don't hate any man, but I do very, very strongly dislike people. And I very strongly dislike John Lewis. But people, oh, he's a American hero. He took all of them police batons across the head for you. Well, guess what? America is as segregated as it's ever been segregated. We have more black people in prison than ever been in prison. And he's voted for some of that stuff. Not all of it, but some of it. And I don't, when they went on their little annual march across the bridge in Selma, Alabama, they did not visit not a single person in prison while the Justice Department is investigating Alabama's inhumane prison systems. When have you heard John Lewis talk about any of the inhumane conditions of these prisoners, the majority of whom are black? Not that he should be advocating just for black prisoners, but for all prisoners to be treated in a humane fashion. You can't tell, you can't, I'll, I'll, I'll give you till the end of this year to send me a clip of John Lewis talking about the degrading conditions of people, all the rape that's going on, all the, the, the bad food, the mold, the mildew, the rats, the prison guard brutality. You won't find it because it don't exist. You'll never hear them talking about dismantling uh, uh, the prison system. We get incrementalism. And then Donald Trump did more than Barack Obama and let more people out of prison than the Barack Obama administration. Barack Obama and them only reduced the crack cocaine disparity uh, from 100 to 1 to 18 to 1. Uh, Trump got rid of it. Period. There's no more discrepancy. Not that I'm tooting his horn or anything. Because he loves his private prisons. Filled them up with non-white indigenous First Nation people from all over the planet. Y'all want to call them Mexicans and what have you. A lot of them is, is indigenous folks who, who where racism is practiced against them by the descendants of their Spanish conquador, uh, con, conquistadors, colonizers. I don't know what it's going to take, man. I don't know what it's going to take for us to come to the realization that Malcolm X came to, that this is, a, this is a war between the oppressed and the oppressors. And the oppressors come in many sizes, many shapes, and many colors. You'll know them by their fruits. You'll know them by the things that they do. Actions speak louder than some fancy words. So, I'm going to leave it there, man. Uh, I'm just very disappointed in the cowardice 
of Bernie Sanders. I saw this as our best opportunity to end prison slavery. Because, see, I don't want stuff for myself. You know, yeah, reparations is a good thing. It's a good thing. I'm not starving, though. And it's a just thing, and they owe reparations. And that's why, you know, I brought uh, in Cobra on board to do conversation reparations on the first and third Monday to support their mission, okay? But I really, uh, to be honest with you, I got a roof over my head. The roof ain't leaking. I eat every day, okay? Sometimes I might eat too much. I'm not sick, but if I do get sick, I have VA health care that I don't pay for. I don't even pay for prescriptions, okay? And they got me right. You know, I'm feeling a little bit better. My spirits are back up. I've come out of that depression, that that nagging pain in my back and in my limbs. I, I don't, I'm pain-free because of the medication regimen that they gave me. They didn't give me a bunch of strong stuff. But they gave me something that I, they gave me some pills that I take uh, every 12 hours and I'm pain free. I'm no longer walking with a cane. So I got health care. It ain't me that I'm concerned about. It's the people who are doing the millions upon millions of people who are doing far worse than me. And I'm not in prison and I don't plan to go. But there, you know, I could end up there. I could get set up too. But I do it for them. And I saw when he adopted the Prisoner Bill of Rights that effectively ends prison slavery, I was like, we got to get this man a nomination. We got to get him this nomination. This is our best chance to end prison slavery. But I was mistaken. He doesn't have the intestinal fortitude, it seems. He, he, Even though he's, uh, what, 80-something years old, I guess he still wants to live a little bit longer, and he's not willing to die and exposing this system and taking it to the limit. I can come to no other conclusion, and I take no pleasure in coming to this conclusion because the platform is righteous. The platform has the prescriptions that we need. But, man, if you can't take these people to court and you got the money to take them to court, if you can't expose this sham electoral system for what it is, and then you're going to turn around and endorse Hillary Clinton and may end up endorsing Joe Biden. Dude, I ain't got no further use for you. You a coward. And you are not the leader for this time. That said, y'all be safe behind these enemy lines. They still practice slavery. Slavery's still very profitable. It has not ended. Read the 13th Amendment, except as punishment for crime. And whatever crime it is, is whatever we decide those crimes are to be. Ask Joe Biden. He, he wrote that crime bill. So y'all be safe out here, man. And take this coronavirus serious. Stop Stop playing, y'all. Stop playing. Stop playing. Take the precautions that have been recommended. Stay away from large groups of people. Shelter in place at home. Okay? 
Wash your hands. You have to go out and understand. Wash your hands. At least 30 seconds. Don't touch your face. And hopefully we can make it through this thing together. Peace and blessings to all. I'm out.